<laughs> Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically. This is the podcast where I, my name being Jeff, go through every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in the order they were released, and I re- review them and I relate them to you, and I tell you the plot so you don't have to watch them. And at the end of the episode, I let you know whether it's worth your time or not. And we are at the front half of the back nine. Okay, that's a golf term to a degree. Anyway, we're early on in the second half of this podcast. And uh, we've had a couple hits in a row here. Um, I got to admit, kind of optimistic. And then I watched The Paradigm Case from 1947. Uh, Boy. Sometimes I think when you're making a movie... It's probably pretty important to have your lead be likable. And when your lead's not likable, it affects the movie. And I do think the intention of Alfred Hitchcock in the Paradigm case is to have Gregory Peck be likable. With that said, he's not. Gregory Peck is an idiot. Um, Now... He, he's not as stupid as the rich and strange guy. If you listen back to that episode, uh, that guy's a real dumbass. This guy, though, is a fool. And I know that the Bible tells us not to call people fools, but he's foolish for sure. Uh, along with Gregory Peck, we have uh, Anna Todd, who plays Gay Keen, who is Anthony Keene's wife, uh, Anthony Keene, played by Gregory Peck. Uh, we also have the return of Charles Lofton, who uh, was in Jamaica Inn, who was the only reason to watch that movie. He's great in that. He's great in this. Um, this is, he's back. But he's barely in the movie. But what scenes he's in, he is great. Uh, we have Charles Colburn um, and then a couple other people. Charles Colburn. It plays Mr. Flacheur, Flacheur, Simon Flacheur. So Gregory Peck is a lawyer, all right? And he is, Charles Coburn decides to uh, essentially volunteer Anthony Keene, who is, I guess, undefeated as a lawyer, to defend a woman by the name of Miss Paradine. Now, I was calling this the Paradine case because that's how it's spelled. You know, when you put an E at the end of a word, usually the previous vowel is a hard one. So I, not E, Paradine. I don't know. This It looks like Paradine, but it's Paradine because her name is Paradine and her husband has died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, well, poisoning to be exact. And uh, Charles Colburn believes her to be innocent and decides to get her the best counsel possible, who is Gregory Peck, Anthony Keene. Now, I know he's trying his best, Charles Colburn, to get the best counsel available, but Anthony Keene, Gregory Peck, is terrible. Several times in my notes, I wrote, Gregory Peck is a shit attorney. Now, Gregory Peck's most famous role is playing an attorney in To Kill a Mockingbird, for which I believe he won an Oscar. He's won several Oscars, and he's fine as an actor in this. The issue is the character just isn't 
dum-dum. Uh, so we get started and he meets Mrs. Paradine and he immediately falls in love with her. Now we get uh, several really great scenes between uh, Gregory Peck and Anna Todd, his wife, gay, and they are a great couple. And gay is an incredible woman. She's awesome. She's super supportive. Like, I don't get why he, within a moment, falls in love with this dumb, murdering person. Well, she's suspected of murder. And Gay kind of tell can tell that he's got these, like, hots for this woman. And uh, she tries to keep her insecurities at bay, but he uh, just keeps talking about her. Now, granted, he talks about the case, too. But there's a point where Charles Coburn is like calling into question Miss Paradine's uh, integrity or whatever, and it pisses off Gregory Peck. Gay sees it, and she's like, dang, some, he's really into this girl. <sighs> so here he is. In, like He goes and he has several discussions with his client, Miss Paradine, and he's trying to set up various defenses, right? And the most primary defense he can come up with is that they have a, that the Paradine family, the husband and her, have a, a servant by the name of Mr. Latour, Andre Latour. And so Gregory Peck is basically going to spin this to make it look like Andre Latour killed Mr. Paradine as a way to get money or get to his wife. And Miss Paradine is not down with this. She does not want to do that defense. She basically says, I'll find another lawyer. If you do that, blah, blah, blah. Well, Gregory Peck, the idiot notices how Miss Paradine speaks about Andre. She, he says his name different, you know, and he gets jealous because he can tell that there's something going on between her and Mr. Latour. And he decides to go to the property, her property, and I guess confront Mr. Latour. I don't know. So while he's preparing this case, he actually meets with the judge who's played by Charles Lofton, who, again, is awesome. He's the guy from Jamaica Inn, Mr. Humphrey. Um, and... The character is a dirtbag, uh, the judge here, um, played by Charles Lofton. But Charles Lofton does such a great job of being the dirtbag. And they establish how terrible he is with just a few scenes. Like, not even, like, he goes and he makes a point of sitting himself down next to Gay, who is, again, Gregory Peck's wife in this. And takes her hand and puts it on his leg. And he's just creepy and gross. And he just does a great job. He also has some great one-liners. Uh, talking about he doesn't like being interrupted when he's insulting people. He's awesome. Like, now, don't hear. The character's not awesome. The character's a bad bloke. I'm not Australian. But he's a bad guy. And he's meant to be portrayed as such. Whereas Gregory Peck is meant to be portrayed as the hero but he's, he's not. 
he's really stupid because, and I, again, I say several times in my notes, he's a bad attorney because he lets his emotions for this woman he barely knows who's accused of murder cloud his ability to be a lawyer and do his job. So he goes to this property where the Paradines used to live. And he meets with like the lady who runs the house and then meets Mr. Latour. He tries to get some time alone with Mr. Latour to discuss things with him. And Mr. Latour kind of runs off, doesn't want to talk to him. Well, later that night, Gregory Peck's in his hotel room and Mr. Latour shows up and he tells him, hey, she's evil. Miss Paradine is evil. Stay away from her. You know, like. She's bad business. This again pisses Gregory Peck off for because he has no reason to assume she's good. And as an attorney, now granted, he's playing detective here. And I guess as an attorney, you kind of have because you're being paid to defend. You have your biases and that's understandable. But the guy is like telling you that she's bad. Now, he, again, is trying to set up this guy, Mr. Latoura, to take the fall for her. Not because he believes it's true, but because it's the best way to get his client off on the charges of murder. Uh, when he comes back from wherever the hell this is, he goes immediately to see Miss Paradine, not gay, his wife. And so there's a constant theme of him, like, she's second fiddle to this accused murderer. And she does her best to try and think best of him. She even talks to her friend, who is the daughter of um, Mr. Coburn, who is her best friend now, um, this, this daughter, and says, you know, I'm just going to try to make it easy on him. I don't want him to hurt if he wants to leave. You know, I... I don't want to keep him if that's what he wants to do. And she doesn't say it in a mean way. Gregory Peck does not deserve her. She's too good for him. He is stupid. And he's, okay, he's graying in this movie. He's old enough to know better. I get 20-somethings that have puppy love and something new comes along. But at this point, you got to recognize that your wife is great. And you don't deserve her. And then just because some, and the only attraction he has for Miss Paradine is that she's physically attractive. There's no, she at no point gives him any hints. Like, it's not like she's leading him on. She doesn't. She's not interested in this idiot. And yet he keeps, he even at one point is like, I'm in love with you. And she doesn't respond because she doesn't care. She just wants, just be my damn lawyer, please. So after this, we get started with the trial. Now, that's like the first hour of the movie going on. And this movie is kind of slow. And I think you could tell, I don't think the best of this movie. It could have been a lot better. But, and then the trial starts and it's still slow. It goes on. Like, Mr. Latour is on the stand for like, 20 minutes of the runtime. Now, they do show the exterior of the courtroom. Of the courthouse, I should say. And there's a gigantic hole and like part of the wall is gone. And 
And I think that's just because this is post-World War II. Like, that building got bombed at some point. And it just kind of adds that context at the time. Um, and it probably was what that courthouse looked like at the time. Well, the trial starts and they bring up various people. So the, the whole story revolves around this bottle, this drink, uh, a glass of Burgundy, which is a wine that the late Mr. Paradigm had before bed. Now, Mr. Paradigm is a blind man or was a blind man. Gregory Peck's questioning, we should say, so in this courtroom that you got all like these British courtrooms, they all wear wigs, including um, the judge who's played by Charles Lofton, who again is great. Like he, he looks like me watching this movie. His hands is, are in his head. His, ha- his head is in his hand because he just looks bored to be judging over this thing. And Gregory Peck's there with his wig. And then the defense lawyer is played by, um, Mr. Carroll, who's been in um, Leo G. Carroll, who's been in the last few movies in various roles. He's always good in whatever he does. And he's great here as the uh, prosecuting attorney. Well, they call various witnesses and the questioning begins with Mr. Latour. And he's on the stand forever. Just keeps going. And there's constantly interruptions and I object to this and I object to that. And it just goes on and on and on, right? And the questions are posed in a way to try to get Mr. Latour to look like he poisoned Mr. Paradigm. And the motive being that he actually was on in the will of somewhat uh, to inherit 3000 pounds or whatever. And they also sort of say, hey, you got a a thing for Miss Paradigm. So that's another reason, another motive. And it's really they're they're not even trying to convict him because he's not on trial, but they're going to use this as a way to sow doubt and to get Miss Paradigm off. Well, after this initial interview and they get dumb, dumb, uh, he's not dumb. Actually, Mr. Latour is a lot smarter than Gregory Peck. Latour gets off the stand and they go back and he's meeting with, uh, excuse me, Gregory Peck is meeting with his client, Ms. Paradigm. And she's like, I told you not to do that. I told you not to try to set him up to look like the murderer. That's the one thing I said you shouldn't do. And this is where he professes his, you know, at one point he fell in love with her, but now he's not. And again, she's like, I don't care. You're my lawyer. Do lawyer things. He's so stupid. And so they go back in and he decides it's going to be a great idea to call Miss Paradigm to the, to, to the stand. Now, granted, his entire defense of her is set up around Mr. Latour being the killer. And she has said, no, don't do that. Why are you going to call her to the stand where she can tear down your entire argument? Are you an idiot? And the answer is yes. I would be a better lawyer than this guy. And I'm an idiot. Well, guess what? They get her on the stand. They ask her a bunch of questions. And they the whole thing was like, when the detectives got there to investigate the mysterious death of Mr. Paradine, 
that this glass that had the burgundy in it had been washed and dried. And the question was who had washed and dried it because that would indicate that person had been the killer and was washing out the evidence of uh, the poison in this glass. Well, it comes out in the questioning that Miss Paradine was the one that washed it because she, again, is now trying to clear the name of Mr. Latour. And this sets up, like, this totally derails Gregory Peck's defense, right? What did he think was going to happen? She was going to get up there and clear the name of Mr. Latour. And he says, well, this is new evidence. Uh, I need time to consider this. And Charles Lofton, the judge, is like, well, it is late, and this is new evidence. Would you like to adjourn for the day? We'll come back tomorrow. And he says yes. And the whole time, he's still, like, like keeping away from his wife, Gay. Now, Gay is in the, the what do you call it, the gallery here with her best friend. And her best friend at various parts of this trial kind of is the... the person who explains to the lay person what these defenses mean and when someone's gaining advantage or not because her dad is a lawyer and she's been around it a long time and there's constantly people having conversations with Gregory Peck like you need to focus on your wife forget this woman accused of murder and focus on your wife forget this woman who the only thing you like about her is that she's attractive and your wife is not some sort of hound dog either Gay is attractive and she's kind and she cares for him and she supports him and wants him to be happy. She's what you want in a partner. But this idiot is so stupid. Anyway, the next day, right? So we've adjourned, right? Because she's, she's presented this evidence that she was the one that cleaned this glass. And the next day after asking that they adjourn, the first thing he does is say, I have no further questions and sits down. What an asshole. He's wasting everyone's time. So our um, uh, Leo Carroll, the prosecuting attorney, does his cross-examination. And through this, he is able to get the truth out of her. She admits that she's had an affair with Mr. Latour, which is kind of what you expect the whole time. And that she had poisoned her husband to be able to get out of that marriage and spend her life with Mr. Latour. Mr. Latour uh, is not an immoral person. He doesn't want to be with a murderer. Smart guy. Now, the reason that she is so forthcoming at this point is because news comes to the courthouse that after his turn in the, in the box being, um, exam, cross-examined and examined by everyone, uh, he committed suicide. And as Ms. Paradigm finds this information out, she basically has nothing left to live for in her words. So it doesn't matter anymore. And that's when she becomes so forthcoming with her feelings towards Mr. Latour and her guilt. And this just embarrasses Gregory Peck, as it should. He is an idiot. So he starts sweating, and then he gives a speech about how he's letting him taking himself out of the trial. The trial's over at this point anyway, because she just confessed. And he walks away upset because he never had a chance with her, because she was in love with Latour. 
She never gave him any reason to misconstrue feelings, to have anything to do with her other than to be her lawyer. He is the only one who saw anything else happening between him and her. She never reciprocates. And then he damn near ruins his marriage over it. Thankfully for him, gay is forgiving. And maybe she should be because if this numbskull is so easily, you know, sidetracked, it'll happen again. But at the end of the movie, they forgive. I say they forgive. She forgives him. They're back together. And then they, the, the end shows up on the screen. I keep, I would say rolls credits, but they don't really roll credits. The credits are up front. Now there's one scene like there's this sort of side plot between Charles Lofton and his wife. You could tell she is in an abusive relationship, maybe not physically, but she is scared of her husband. And he plays it so well. Like, like I said, there's a difference, right? So there's your likable characters and then there's characters that are bad and meant to be bad and are played by actors who are able to pull that off like Charles Lofton. And then there's Gregory Peck, who's undoubtedly a skilled actor, but the story and the screenplay and everything makes him look like an idiot and an asshole and just a love drunk puppy. He's so stupid. I think that's going to be what's in the show notes. Probably just a call back to Young and in, no, not Young and Innocent. What was that one called? Rich and Strange, East of Shanghai. So I don't recommend this one. It's a waste of time. Not a waste of time. Yeah, it's a waste of time because it just goes on and on. And the second half of the movie is just the trial. And you think that maybe the trial is going to be interesting. It's not. It just goes on and on. And what's interesting, I want. So this movie I could only find on YouTube. And people comment and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. Everyone has the right to their opinion. But sometimes I think people just give Hitchcock the benefit of the doubt on some of these movies. Because this is not great. It's an imbalanced story that doesn't have a hero you can root for. And yet he's played up to be sympathetic when he's not. That's my review of the movie. Don't, don't bother. Now, this features Gregory Peck, who's been in several movies. I believe we got another one with him coming up at some point. And then, of course, we have the great Cary Grant, who's been in two of our movies. But now we get the first appearance of another reoccurring actor in a Hitchcock film. This is one of the movies that when I first started this podcast, again, I've never seen it, but I've been looking forward to getting to it. And it's also, as far as I know, hopefully I don't have to correct myself later, but it's also the first color picture for Alfred Hitchcock. And that star that's going to be, we're just going to see again in movies like Rear Window and um, the remake of The Man Who Knew Too Much is Jimmy Stewart. Okay. Absolute legend. Jimmy Stewart, most known for uh, that Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life, right? He's awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one. It's called Rope. And the, the poster for it looks ominous and dark. 
And that's what you want with Hitchcock. You want ominity. That's omin. That's ominous. The noun. Uh, I made that up. And so join me, you know, next week as we take a look at Rope from 1948 by Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to check out my other podcast, check out Budget Arcade, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as the Draft Movie House. Uh, if you like movie reviews, if you're listening to this, you probably do, where myself and Mark uh, go through themes and, and pick movies and review them and disagree. I definitely recommend you check out the Uncut Gems episode. That's uh, our best one, I think. So take a look at, take a listen at those. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at hitchcockchronologically at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Podcast by Jeff. Also, uh, the Budget Arcade Discord, I'm in there all the time, uh, so you can click that link. But thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Yeah.